Let me begin by saying that I'm quite honored, quite honored to be here today speaking at this illustrious pulpit where many distinguished preachers have brought edifying and challenging messages to this community of Lakeshore. I have looked forward to this day with great anticipation, not so much because I have such a distinguished message for you, but rather because Lakeshore feels like home to me. I love coming here to meet the saints of this congregation because it was here that I learned a great deal about what it means to be and do church. Here I learned that a church where many of the members are introverts does not need to be an uninviting place. Here, I learned that everyone does not have to agree on doctrine and practice in order to be part of the work that God is doing in the congregation and that God is doing in the world. Here, I met saints, saints such as Jan, Catherine, Joe, Gail, among many others who are now the part of the great cloud of witnesses, witnesses to the work of God in the world. I should let you know that whenever I teach my ministerial students about what it means to be a church, what it means to do church, I always use Lakeshore Baptist Church as an example. I use the example of John, who just before the benediction would dash out the door and stand by the doorside, waiting to shake the hand of every member living this building to make sure that each and every one who was living here, and even those who were coming here for the first time, knew that they were wanted here, that they were needed here. Here, I use the example of Catherine who day in and day out will come to the church to work here, especially at the kitchen, where she conscripted me to work for the Mills on Wheels <laughs> ministry. So I look forward to coming here. I look forward to coming here because my, my picture of Lakeshore is that of a congregation that is inviting and welcoming. Here I felt at home and I still feel at home. Now, now, the way I think of Lakeshore may strike some people as idealistic, not quite representative of what Lakeshore is or any other church for that matter. But I believe that thinking about the church in an idealistic manner puts me in great company. In the company of the one who wrote Ephesians, for example. Ephesians has been described as having an idealistic picture of the church talking of Christians as those who are full of faith, praying only that they should grow in wisdom, and describing the church as a place where Jews and Gentiles have been brought together to create one new beautiful humanity. Some have, some have observed that the church to which Ephesians was written does not appear to have any significant problems such as the church of Corinth, for example. 
which we know was going through so many issues. Ephesians is therefore understood as a work intended to encourage Christians in different parts of the world to be better at being who they already were, followers of Jesus Christ. The non-polemical nature of Ephesians does not conceal the fact that the Christians to whom it was written were living through perilous times. Why the church may be experiencing fraternal atmosphere. The times, the times in which they were living was characterized by some dominant forces that might do them in if they were not discerning enough. Ephesians conceptualizes these forces, not in physical terms as we tend to do today, but rather in spiritual terms. The forces are powers, they are authorities, they are dominion. So we are told in a classic text, which we, we, have, we did not read this morning, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, that the struggle the church was going through was not against flesh and blood, but rather against rulers and authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. These spiritual forces were not forces that were present inside the church. Rather, they were external forces that were intimately connected to the life of the church and challenged the church's witness to the world. Now, it used to be thought that the authorities and powers of darkness and spiritual forces that are referenced in Ephesians were connected to the religious atmosphere of Ephesus which boasted the magnificent temple dedicated to Artemis, the popular mother goddess of the Greco-Roman world. Given that some scholars think that Ephesians was not directed at Ephesus at all, it appears that the notions of powers and authorities and dominion are used here to describe a general atmosphere in which ancient Christians lived rather than the, the, the atmosphere of Ephesus alone. So unlike us today, these Christians did not make a firm distinction between the secular and the spiritual. The two intertwined because to be church in the ancient world was to be church in the world. Ephesians is therefore not simply addressing what obtains at one local church but the general context in which Christians found themselves and continue to find themselves even in our own time. Christians often find themselves in contexts where various forces conspire to undermine what they could become. These forces often tend to affect the nature of Christian witness, which is why I think that one of the best ways to name the crisis of the church today is to follow the lead of, of Ephesians and describe it in terms of strongholds, a term that is common among Pentecostals. In Pentecostal speak, strongholds are perennial and often intractable obstacles that stand in the way of Christians becoming all what they could be. These are obstacles that are often not seen, but are however deep rooted. Because they are imperceptible, people are likely to live with them without even realizing that they are there. 
Thus, when one becomes a Christian in Pentecostal speak, one is empowered to receive, to perceive these strongholds so that they may be removed. Without removing them, it is not possible to experience the fullness of the Christian life. In Pentecostalism, especially in what is called Neo-Pentecostalism in Africa, there is constant quest to figure out what possible strongholds could be holding Christians back from being all that they could be. This quest to detect strongholds holding back Christians is often applied to individual lives. But sometimes it is also applied to the life of the church and to the lives of whole societies. I discern a similar movement in Ephesians where the powers and authorities are not only connected to the lives of individuals, but also to the life of the church as a whole and the entire cosmos itself. The church in Ephesians is portrayed as a place where God is working to overcome the forces that jeopardize human flourishing. It is portrayed as a demonstration plot, if you like, as described by the Ugandan theologian Emmanuel Katongole. The church is a place where God is working to redeem the world. And if it is the case that the church is a place where God is working to redeem the world, then it is vitally important that we discern what strongholds are holding us back from becoming the kind of church we need to be. My own diagnosis is that the basic stronghold standing in the way of the church today is tribalism or nationalism, that nativistic quest for purity that often builds a wall between us and the other, between us and them, that tendency to demarcate, to separate, to distinguish, to categorize which seems so rooted in the human imagination that it seems to have become an amorphous force, a spiritual force, a power, a power of darkness, if you will. It seems to have led us to believe 